Hi, friends. I'm Annie F. Downs. Let's read the Gospels. The Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the stories of Jesus Christ's life on earth, the friendships, the parables, the sacrifices, the meals, and the miracles. Each month, we read all four books. We do about three chapters a day. And you know what we say around here a lot is you don't have to be in the Gospels every day to be changed, but every day you're in the Gospels will change you. So we're really glad you're here with us today. Today, I am going to read you three chapters. You can listen or read along in your own Bible or online, and then I will pray. That's it. Today is April 19th, day 19, and I'll be reading Mark chapters 11 through 13. And this month, I'm reading from the message. Mark 11. When they were nearing Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany on Mount Olives, he sent off two of the disciples with instructions. Go to the village across from you. As soon as you enter, you'll find a colt tethered, one that has never yet been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Say, the master needs him and will return him right away. They went and found a colt tied to a door at the street corner and untied it. Some of those standing there said, what are you doing untying that colt? The disciples replied exactly as Jesus had instructed them and the people let them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus, spread their coats on it, and he mounted. The people gave him a wonderful welcome, some throwing their coats on the street, others spreading out rushes they had cut in the fields. Running ahead and following after, they were calling out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in God's name. Blessed the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in highest heaven. He entered Jerusalem, then entered the temple. He looked around, taking it all in. But by now it was late. So he went back to Bethany with the 12. As they left Bethany the next day, he was hungry. Off in the distance, he saw a fig tree in full leaf. He came up to it, expecting to find something for breakfast, but found nothing but fig leaves. It wasn't yet the season for figs. He addressed the tree. No one's going to eat fruit from you again, ever. And his disciples overheard him. They arrived at Jerusalem. Immediately on entering the temple, Jesus started throwing out everyone who had set up shop there, buying and selling. He kicked over the tables of the bankers and the stalls of the pigeon merchants. He didn't let anyone even carry a basket through the temple. And then he taught them, quoting this text, My house was designated a house of prayer for the nations. You've turned it into a hangout for thieves. The high priests and religion scholars heard what was going on and plotted how they might get rid of him. They panicked, for the entire crowd was carried away by his teaching. At evening, Jesus and his disciples left the city. In the morning, walking along the road, they saw the fig tree shriveled to a dry stick. Peter, remembering what had happened the previous day, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is shriveled up. Jesus was matter of fact. Embrace this God life. Really embrace it. And nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake. No shuffling or hemming and hawing. And it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large. Include everything as you embrace this God life and you'll get God's everything. And when you assume the posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. If you have anything against someone, forgive. Only then will your heavenly Father be inclined to also wipe your slate clean of sins. Then when they were back in Jerusalem once again, as they were walking through the temple, the high priests, religion scholars, and leaders came up and demanded, Show us your credentials. Who authorized you to speak and act like this? Jesus responded, First, let me ask you a question. Answer my question, and then I'll present my credentials. About the baptism of John, who authorized it, heaven or humans? Tell me. They were on the spot and knew it. They pulled back into a huddle and whispered, 
If we say heaven, he'll ask us why we didn't believe John. If we say humans, we'll be up against it with the people because they all hold John up as a prophet. They decided to concede that round to Jesus. We don't know, they said. Jesus replied, then I won't answer your question either. Mark 12. Then Jesus started telling them stories. A man planted a vineyard. He fenced it dug a wine press, erected a watchtower, turned it over to the farmhands, and went off on a trip. At the time for harvest, he sent a servant back to the farmhands to collect his profits. They grabbed him, beat him up, and sent him off empty-handed. So he sent another servant. That one they tarred and feathered. He sent another, and that one they killed. And on and on, many others. Some they beat up, some they killed. Finally, there was only one left, a beloved son. In a last-ditch effort, he sent him, thinking, Surely they will respect my son. But those farmhands saw their chance. They rubbed their hands together in greed and said, This is the heir. Let's kill him and have it all for ourselves. They grabbed him, killed him, and threw him over the fence. What do you think the owner of the vineyard will do? Right, he'll come and get rid of everyone. Then he'll assign the care of the vineyard to others. Read it for yourselves in Scripture. That stone the masons threw out is now the cornerstone. This is God's work. We rub our eyes. We can hardly believe it. They wanted to lynch him then and there, but intimidated by public opinion, held back. They knew the story was about them. They got away from there as fast as they could. They sent some Pharisees and followers of Herod to bait him, hoping to catch him saying something incriminating. They came up and said, Teacher, we know you have integrity, that you are indifferent to public opinion. Don't pander to your students and teach the way of God accurately. Tell us, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He knew it was a trick question and said, Why are you playing these games with me? Bring me a coin and let me look at it. They handed him one. This engraving, who does it look like and whose name is on it? Caesar, they said. Jesus said, Give Caesar what is his and give God what is his. Their mouths hung open, speechless. Some Sadducees, the party that denies any possibility of resurrection, came up and asked, Teacher, Moses wrote that if a man dies and leaves a wife but no child, his brother is obligated to marry the widow and have children. Well, there once were seven brothers. The first took a wife. He died childless. The second married her. He died and still no child. The same with the third. All seven took their turn but no child. Finally, the wife died. When they are raised at the resurrection, whose wife is she? All seven were her husband. Jesus said, you're way off base, and here's why. One, you don't know what God said. Two, you don't know how God works. After the dead are raised up, we're past the marriage business. As it is with angels now, all our ecstasies and intimacies then will be with God. And regarding the dead, whether or not they are raised, don't you ever read the Bible. How God at the bush said to Moses, I am, not was, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The living God is God of the living, not the dead. You're way, way off base. One of the religion scholars came up. Hearing the lively exchanges of question and answer and seeing how sharp Jesus was in his answers, he put in his question, which is most important of all the commandments? Jesus said the first in importance is, Listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. So love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here's the second. Love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment that ranks with these. The religion scholar said, a wonderful answer, teacher, so clear-cut and accurate. 
that God is one and there is no other and loving him with all passion and intelligence and energy and loving others as well as you love yourself. Why, that's better than all offerings and sacrifices put together. When Jesus realized how insightful he was, he said, you're almost there, right on the border of God's kingdom. After that, no one dared ask a question. While he was teaching in the temple, Jesus asked, how is it that the religion scholars say that the Messiah is David's son? When we all know that David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said, God said to my master, sit here at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David here designates the Messiah my master. So how can the Messiah also be his son? The large crowd was delighted with what they heard. He continued teaching. Watch out for the religion scholars. They love to walk around in academic gowns, preening in the radiance of public flattery, basking in prominent positions, sitting at the head table at every church function. And all the time they are exploiting the weak and helpless. The longer their prayers, the worse they get. But they'll pay for it in the end. Sitting across from the offering box, he was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions. One poor widow came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples over and said, The truth is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. Mark 13. As he walked away from the temple, one of his disciples said, Teacher, look at that stonework, those buildings. Jesus said, You're impressed by this grandiose architecture? There's not a stone in the whole works that is not going to end up in a heap of rubble. Later, as he was sitting on Mount Olives in full view of the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew got him off by himself and asked, Tell us, when is this going to happen? What sign will we get that things are coming to a head? Jesus began, Watch out for doomsday deceivers. Many leaders are going to show up with forged identities claiming, I'm the one. They will deceive a lot of people. When you hear of wars and rumored wars, keep your head and don't panic. This is routine history and no sign of the end. Nation will fight nation and ruler fight ruler over and over. Earthquakes will occur in various places. There will be famines. But these things are nothing compared to what's coming. And watch out. They're going to drag you into court. And then it will go from bad to worse. Dog eat dog. Everyone at your throat because you carry my name. You're placed there as sentinels to truth. The message has to be preached all across the world. When they bring you betrayed into court, don't worry about what you'll say. When the time comes, say what's on your heart. The Holy Spirit will make his witness in and through you. It's going to be brother killing brother, father killing child, children killing parents. There's no telling who will hate you because of me. Stay with it. That's what is required. Stay with it to the end. You won't be sorry. You'll be saved. But be ready to run for it when you see the monster of desecration set up where it should never be. You who can read, make sure you understand what I'm talking about. If you're living in Judea at the time, run for the hills. If you're working in the yard, don't go back to the house to get anything. If you're out in the field, don't go back to get your coat. Pregnant and nursing mothers will have it especially hard. Hope and pray this won't happen in the middle of winter. These are going to be hard days. Nothing like it from the time God made the world right up to the present. And there'll be nothing like it again. If he let the days of trouble run their course, nobody would make it. But because of God's chosen people, those he personally chose, he has already intervened. If anyone tries to flag you down calling out, here's the Messiah, or points, there he is, don't fall for it. Fake messiahs and lying preachers are going to pop up everywhere. 
Their impressive credentials and bewitching performances will pull the wool over the eyes of even those who ought to know better. So watch out. I've given you fair warning. Following those hard times, sun will fade out, moon cloud over, stars fall out of the sky, cosmic powers tremble. And then they'll see the Son of Man enter in grand style, his arrival filling the sky. No one will miss it. He'll dispatch the angels. They will pull in the chosen from the four winds, from pole to pole. Take a lesson from the fig tree. From the moment you notice its buds form, the merest hint of green, you know summer's just around the corner. And so it is with you. When you see all these things, you know he is at the door. Don't take this lightly. I'm not just saying this for some future generation, but for this one too. These things will happen. Sky and earth will wear out. My words won't wear out. But the exact day and hour, no one knows that. Not even heaven's angels. Not even the sun. Only the Father. So keep a sharp lookout, for you don't know the timetable. It's like a man who takes a trip, leaving home and putting his servants in charge, each assigned a task and commanding the gatekeeper to stand watch. So stay at your post, watching. You have no idea when the homeowner is returning, whether evening, midnight, cock crow, or morning. You don't want him showing up unannounced with you asleep on the job. I say it to you, and I'm saying it to all. Stay at your post. Keep watch. That is Mark 11 through 13 in the message. Let's pray. Yeah, Jesus, show us how to keep watch. This part of scripture can be so confusing and so many questions about, is this now or was this then or is this coming? And and so we'll just keep watching. We're just going to keep watching. You've out, laid out for us in this chapter, particularly what it's going to look like the closer we get to you returning. And while it feels like our cultures and our earth and our our nation, our world, the nations across the world are crying out for mercy and for justice and for you to come back, Jesus. Um, We'll just keep watching. We'd love for you to come back, make things right, make things new, wipe away every tear. But until then, we'll keep watching. Yeah, We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.